I have some news um, that I didn't have when we recorded the episode with Ingrid. And it is that this week, uh, starting today at nine o'clock UK time, I am doing a festival of magic. Sorry, a festival of manifesting. But actually, yes, it is magic in my free Facebook community. I also want you to know that the group of my Facebook community has changed slightly. It's called um, Intuitive Revolution for Ambitious um, Entrepreneurs. So um, don't be shy. Join our group. I will be doing a live stream every day at 9 a.m. UK time. Um, it will stay as a replay in the group. Uh, there is a, a link to sign up if you want to receive a bingo sheet that you can um, tick. People who fill in the bingo sheet um, and you know, complete all the tasks, will have a chance to be put in a draw to win a 15-minute session with me, which is worth £90, and which can be extremely helpful. Uh, so come and play with us. This is going to be a lot of fun. You'll have a very small task um, every day, a, a small thing to manifest, and um, culminating this week of manifesting, next Monday, I have a masterclass on planning in the records because planning is one of the most powerful tool to manifest in your business. So this was my special announcement. And now I'm going to leave you with today's um, host, um, sorry, guest and host, of course, myself. Have a wonderful week. Bye for now. Welcome to the Business Intuition Podcast, the place where you can learn to trust your intuition to make business decisions without having to meditate for hours, wear crystals, or give up on coffee or wine. You don't have to leave your IQ at the door. Embrace intuitive intelligence to create a business that lights you up and finally experience the success that you deserve. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Intuitive Revolution in Business. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming an amazing guest called Ingrid Kovu-Kangas. Did I pronounce your name right? Yeah? Sure, yeah. Um, I'm kind of intrigued of if there's an origin or a story in your name. Uh, but before I do so, I would love for you to introduce yourself and just tell us a little bit what your business is about. Hello everyone, my name is Ingrid Kangas, and I'm an environmental artist. And what that means is that my work is about reconnecting people back to nature. And I do that in various different ways, both through making art as well as through writing and um, through creating oracle decks. Yes, I know you have two oracle decks, uh, at least two, or maybe more, I don't know. And I pulled one because you have a quiz. Is it? Can it? Can it be easy found, easily found on your website? We'll, we'll talk about all the details of your website towards the end of the interview. But because I did the the quiz and I got the shadow, what was it? Explorer. Shadow, shadow Explorer. I thought that was really interesting because it made me think of shamanism, and I'm not into shamanism at all. And it kind of created some curiosity around it. Um, so you have two oracle decks, right? I have two oracle decks, the Alchemy Flower Oracle and the Eco Heart Oracle. Okay, that's beautiful. And there's a, and there's a third one in the works. Ooh. The Apothecary <laughs> Oracle. 
So it's all linked to nature. And I know that there's at least one, but probably more of my listeners who are greatly into nature that will be interested to get a hand on, on your decks. So um, how long have you been doing what you're doing, Ingrid? Um, I have been an environmental artist for over 20 years. And before that, I was um, a graphic designer and an art director. And we have been at Alchemy Farm since 2015. And what do you mean by an alchemy farm? I really, I really want to crack this nut, understand. All right. And also the environmental, environmental, environmental artists. Oh, I got it right in the um, end. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll start with what an environmental artist does or what I do in my practice. Um, yeah. I'm invited to, in my practice, I'm invited to different locations to create work in response to being there. I don't do any research before I get there. Sometimes I start having dreams a few days before I leave or when I'm on the flight going to, to the city or location that I've, I've been invited to. And um, I'm there for seven to 14 days. And during that time, I work with um, deep intuition and dreams to bring forward messages from the site that I'm working from. Oh, and usually wow. there's a connection from the site to the gallery. And then viewers are invited to travel from the gallery to the site. Okay. Oh, so it's a gallery that's linked to a site and they hire you? Is that what you mean? So I'm, I'm usually invited by um, art galleries, public galleries, to come to their city to create an exhibition in the gallery. And then I choose a site to okay. connect the gallery to a site outside of the gallery. I see. To bring people into nature. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, is it usually a local place or so, do you sometimes I, you get surprises where it's actually from somewhere in an, even a different country or something? I don't know. Uh, actually, there, there have been connections made from different countries or to different locations outside of those areas. Um, I'm always surprised by what comes forward because I'm just the conduit. I'm the conduit mm. for the way the messages from nature and the site are delivered. I just and kind of step out of my own way when I get there. I see. Suspend yeah. disbelief. Yes, that's so important, actually. I know I do that in my work, uh, which is why I never know what's going to come up when I do something. Um, so how do people know about what you do? Is it like, are you in a sort of network of galleries that are particularly interested in, in the environment? Or? Um, since we, since I moved to Salt Spring Island in... Um, well, about 12 years ago now, my practice has evolved and changed and it's actually become much more based at the farm that my husband and I bought in 2015. And for those of people who don't know where this is, it's in Canada, right? Is it? Yes, Salspring Island is on the west coast of British Columbia. Okay, okay. Um, so it's early morning for you and it's late late day for me as we record which is I find always fascinating that we can be in such different places in the world and still be so deeply connected mm. yes okay and what led you to do what you're doing today you said you were an art curator and a graphic uh, no. designer uh, art director art director yes um, um when I worked in art direction and graphic design I worked in advertising and marketing and I loved what I did. I worked really intuitively even then. 
And um, I began to feel like I didn't come here to make advertising. And uh, a, a process began where a dismantling of who I was took place. And I had some incredible experiences with um, messages through dreams. And when I was in my mid thirties, I returned to school as a single parent and began an art degree. And I thought that I would become a landscape painter, like many of my, um, that's my lineage. I have a lot of landscape painters in, in my background in, from Finland. And um, I was amazed at what happened. I could not have predicted the kind of work that I would be doing. I still work in the land and with landscape, but in a completely different way. It's funny you mentioned your Finnish heritage because did you know I lived in Finland for a year? Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Where did you live? Um, just north of Helsinki in one of the suburbs. Okay. Uh, I had the opportunity to live for one month in Lapland uh, in the middle of the winter, which was a bit of a shock for me, but very, yes. very interesting. And um, it was a very, it was a transformational year for me. I was just between yeah. finishing school and starting university. Okay. My, my mother, um, my mother's people are from Lapland. Okay. Where saw me. Ah. And my father's family is from the South. I see. Wow. So, oh, both your parents have finished then. Both my parents. My, I'm a first generation Finnish Canadian and my first language is Finnish. So when I went to school, I didn't speak English. Wow. And yeah. when did you learn English then? Just in school? My dad said in school. Yeah. Okay. He said I came home and taught everyone else. <laughs> so as, I was never, I was, yeah, I was never sure if I was Finnish or if I was Canadian. And then um, in 2001, I went to Finland on an artist residency. And I was there for six weeks. Amazing. Where it, was that? It was. It was in uh, Nukarlabu, which mm -hmm. is on the, it's a Swedish-speaking town in Finland. Because yeah. Finnish, Finland's second language is, is Swedish, official language. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And what I just, when I got off the plane in Helsinki, I looked around and I was like, wait a second, I feel like I'm in Northern Ontario, which is where I was born. Oh, I'm, And a lot of I'm, Finnish people live there. I wouldn't be surprised if the environment was very similar in terms of climate and um, landscape. Uh, very similar. When, okay. the world was pan, when the world was Pangea, Pangea um, Finland and that part of Finland actually joined with that part of... Um, I see... Canada. Hmm. Oh, we'll, we'll leave that for another discussion, Ingrid, but um, yes. I would love to have a chat with you about your Finnish adventures and mine. I had no idea uh, that you'd been there. Yeah, as a gap here before I went to study. So um, I still, uh, I'm still connected to my Finnish sister. We're very fondly, you know, fond of each other, oh, even nice. though our lives have shifted, obviously. Yeah. Um, Okay, so my next question is whether you consider yourself intuitive. Yes, definitely. I, um, I've been intuitive my whole life. 
uh, when I was, uh, I used to, I used to, um, when I was a child, I had imaginary friends, like many of us do. And then that became, I, I started having dreams when I was a teenager. I would just know things. And um, I, I didn't want to know. I, I pushed it aside. I, I was a very practical person. And I didn't, I did not want to um, become an intuitive. I, it was, it was something that uh, probably scared me actually. But I come from my grandmother read cards. My mother was extremely intuitive. And so it's in my, I think we all are, we're all intuitive. Mm. But I decided not to pursue that kind of work, even though I knew I could. And so when I started working in the land with the landscape, that's when that part of me opened up again. And then I, I was okay working that way. That's so interesting because I know that when my intuition opened up, it was through dreams, just like you. Yes. And I resisted it as well for so long. But I also can see how the land could open up things because um, nature by itself in, in, invites us to intuition, invites us yes. to follow our senses rather than our mind. And it's very conducive to that quieting of the mind that is necessary to actually pay attention to ideas that drop in and things like that, isn't it? Very, very true. Yes. And that is what happens when I go to sites to work. I um, drop into a deeper sense of myself. And it's almost as if I kind of not, I don't disappear, but it's like I become one with everything that's around me. Mm. I move, I move through the through the landscape in a very different way when I'm doing that kind of work. And one of the things that naturally started happening um, after a few years of working that way was I found myself singing when I was in the land working. And it wasn't words, it was just sounds. And then a few years later, I found out that um, that is what, uh, it's called yoiking with the Sami people. And when they're in the land, they sing. And I had no idea that that, that was, yes. And so mm. I just spontaneously started doing that. That is amazing. Mm. And I felt like I was communicating, I was letting the land know that I was there. And that I was, that was the intent behind the sounds, behind the, the singing. Mm. Oh, that's so precious. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. What, what would you say is the main way that you receive your intuition? How does it land on you usually? Is it still dreams or is there another aspect? I, I think it arrives in different ways. Uh, some, it's many times through dreams, but sometimes it's just through a knowing. I get pictures. Sometimes I actually hear words. Um, I feel, I, I smell, I sometimes get sense. And, and so there's multiple different ways that I receive information. Mm. And how do you pull it all together? 
What oh, makes you trust I've never been asked that before. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think because when I work with my intuition that way, it's, it's to be a conduit and it's to be a conduit for messages from nature. And so I don't, it kind of all just comes together like, um, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. I get kind of like threads weaving together. Into, so that yeah. message that you receive from nature, do you then mm -hmm. translate it into art for the gallery? Yes. Yep, sometimes, sometimes have, yep. sometimes have words as well. Or is it pictures? Yes. Or is it yes. It's sometimes words. Many times it's dreams. What's yeah. the strongest message you've ever received in doing one of these assignments? The one that maybe surprised you the most? I was working at a site outside of Montreal in Quebec in Canada, and it was at an old monastery. And that, that particular site was extremely powerful for me. I had a lot of dreams there. And in one of the dreams, I was led to a location across, a, I saw the sun coming through the trees across a field in my dream. And I woke up, it was like 4.30 in the morning. I woke up and I knew exactly where it was. And when I went there, the light was in the trees. And when I walked through, I went onto a path that was in my dream. And I was brought to a location where there were um, stone mounds. And they were like, well, burial mounds. And they were in the forest and they'd been overgrown. And that area had had voyageurs traveling through there when they were exploring Canada. And so, the the people who were still at the monastery at the office hadn't they didn't know they were there and so there was this mystery around what were these mounds doing there when you say voyagers just in case for people who don't understand what that means do you mean mm. people who traveled from place to place that's correct they and, traveled across canada when they were exploring and, what, and they used the rivers i see was that in what era would that have happened um, I think 1700, 1700s, 1800s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Then I suppose you, you centered the exhibition around these, these places or. Uh, no, actually that was, that was kind of a, I wasn't certain what to do with that information. I didn't know if that information was supposed to be public. Um, I did mention it in the exhibition, in the write-up for it, but that wasn't the piece. The piece was called mm -hmm. the Nord. And what I did was I gathered birch bark from down trees in the area. And um, the monastery, they had planted a monoculture forest of, um, I think they were fir trees. And so when you came into the site down the driveway, there's this long, just stretch of forest all in perfect lines. And so what I did was I wrapped birch bark around each of the trees so that it became a white line. So that when you drove in, you saw this white line. And wow. for me, when I was gathering the birch, it was really uh, a moment where I felt like I was also um, honoring my background because in Finland, we use birch trees. My last name actually, Goibo, that part is birch. So Koivokangas is Birch Plains. And so um, I felt like I was honoring my heritage at the same time 
as um, bringing an awareness into the land. And so I wrote about the monoculture forest and yeah, and how we move through the land. Fascinating. Ah, so what is your big story of how intuition helped you in your business or you know had an, a massive impact in your business? Tell, tell us. Well, I think I think I'd like to share the story of how we found Alchemy Farm. Because when I moved to Salt Spring Island, this there's a saying here, this is a very magical place. The island, there's a lot of quartz here. And we have a lot of artists and intuitives and creative people here, writers. And I had never, even though I grew up on the West Coast, I grew up not very far from here. I had never been to Salt Spring Island. And um, I came back from teaching a workshop in Japan and I was completely exhausted and jet lagged. And I told my son I had to get out of North Vancouver just for a few days to rest. And he suggested that we come to Salt Spring Island. And um, when we were driving off the ferry, I was overwhelmed with the sense that every tree on the island was sending me a welcome and a hug. I actually started crying. And I had been searching for a place to move to for a few years. And within 24 hours of arriving on Salt Spring, I'd rented a house that looked exactly like the one on my vision board on my fridge. And I'm um, giving up my studio, my apartment, and eventually my teaching position to move here. And, um, well, and then a whole, and then I uh, ended up moving to a moldy house and there's a whole other story around that, but I became ill. I became not well. And then became a, um, a waiting period because I, I knew that I was there for a reason, here for a reason. But I, when I first moved here, my idea was to teach workshops, to bring people to where I was so that I wasn't always traveling. And so that because I was feeling like I wanted to be really rooted in the earth, I was starting to feel like I just, I just wanted to sometimes just curl up in the earth. And so, which was ironic because my work was about connecting people back to nature. And yet I felt this really deep need to do that, even though my work was about that. And so I met my husband here. And um, in 2015, we began to look for a place to live because we were living on a mountain and I didn't like the energy of the mountain. It's hard place. I wanted to grow things. And so we began to look and there's a valley here called the Burgoyne Valley, also known as the Fulford Valley. And we both love that area, but houses rarely come up for sale here. And uh, I was coming down what's called Lee's Hill one day, and it was a spring day, it was overcast. And all of a sudden the skies opened and a bolt of sunlight came through the clouds onto this field, right onto this purple tree that was in the middle of this impossibly green field. I actually pulled my car over and was like, I've been coming up and down this hill for six years. Why have I never seen this before? And then I went home and I always watch real estate listings. And probably two weeks later, there was a listing for a farm in Burgoyne Valley. And so I immediately came, got into the car, drove to the address, pulled in and there were like golden balls of light in the driveway. And I went home and said, okay, we have to go see this place. We were there the next morning before the sign was even on the property. And um, as we were walking through, we both just kept looking at each other like, 
I think this is, I think this might be the place. And when we walked down into the field, um, because it was, there's trees and then you walk into the field and the expanse opens up and you look up the valley. And I looked over and there was the purple tree that I had seen two oh. weeks previously. And I was just like, and I was just like, holy. And then when we were walking through the alder forest, I, um, I let everyone else go ahead of me and I just stopped and I closed my eyes and said, please send a sign that this is the right place. And I opened my eyes and there's an owl feather at my feet. And Amazing. we, we, I guess about six weeks later, two months later, we were moving here. And so this, this place is very magical. It's um, a very healing place. And I've been able to really put deep roots down here and to really work with the earth in a way that I was yearning to, which was to grow things. Mm. What a story. What a story. I love it. And um, I can feel the magic through your words for sure. I would love for you to share, maybe you have already shared some pictures uh, on Facebook or on social media and I'll go and have a look. Um, yeah. On your website, you have pictures of your farm as well? There's, is it? Yeah, there's photos on the website as well as our Instagram account. So, because I was going to say, where can people find you? Where Whereabouts do you hang out online? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't have a lot of time to hang out online having a farm. But um, our Instagram is Alchemy Farm Studio. And then the website is alchemyfarm.ca. Okay. Um, so what do you grow on your farm? Uh, well, in 2008, when I first started hearing about colony collapse disorder, that the bees were dying, I really felt a deep calling to do something. And I didn't want to make an art exhibition because that didn't feel like it was enough. And so one of the very first things I did here was I planted a patch of flowers for the bees and then more flowers and more flowers. And then I had so many flowers that I um, began to sell flowers and I trained myself to become a florist. And then I suddenly had a flower delivery business. And with each delivery, I got to tell people about why it was so important to buy local flowers because um, commercially grown flowers are filled with pesticides yes. and fungicides that are that kill pollinators and aren't healthy for you either. And so after a couple of years of doing that, it was just like, uh, I don't think I came here to be a florist. <laughs> and so I let go of that part of the farm. And um, I have a, I bring people here for workshops. And one of the workshops is, um, and garden tours. And one of them is the um, Alchemy Flower Music Garden Tour. And listeners can actually go to our website and find the link to do a virtual tour. I have a device called Music of the Plants. And it records the bioenergy of flowers and plants and converts it into musical notes. And every oh, wow. plant, every plant has a different song. And so the Amazing. first time, so the first time I heard the music of, it was hellebore because it was January, I actually burst into tears 
because I had been talking about the energy of plants and the earth. And here I was hearing, I was actually hearing and feeling the plant. And so what I've done is I've recorded the music of 35 different flowers in the gardens. And my work is, in my work, I use technology a lot to connect people back to nature. And so visitors to the garden can come and scan a QR code in front of a flower and then listen to the music of that plant. I love it. And I love that you use technology to bring people back to nature. That is beautiful. It was so wonderful to see children sitting on the ground in front of a plant with their earbuds in listening to, 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 a, to a plant. Wow. That really blows my mind, I have to say. It yeah, really it's, does. It's, it's incredible. And the plant knows that you're there. After, after the device is, is um, attached to it for uh, not even that long, 30, 40 seconds. And if you put your hand close to the plant, the sound changes, the music changes. And each plant has a different song and tree. Hmm. See, I have this thing. I've been wanting to grow my own food and it's a very, very small project because I've never done anything with my, um, no gardening at all in my entire life. In fact, I managed to keep some orchids alive for a couple of years. And that was my big moment of, you know, fame in the house. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because up to then I had killed almost every plant that came my way. But this year I've managed to grow some strawberries and some peas and uh, some raspberries, which are not giving fruit just yet. And I I actually believe that the things that you grow, there's like a a relationship between you and the plants and that the plants that you grow, the food that you grow is actually perfectly suited to your needs because there's that relationship. Now, I don't know, I have no scientific evidence to show that but because I work with energy and I'm a Reiki master and I, I can believe that this would be the case. So it's almost like what you're saying as well. You didn't say that, but you could extrapolate in lots of different ways. Well, when I'm in the gardens, I talk to my plants. If I bump into them, I'm like, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> um, I, I, and even if it's not out loud, I'm thinking it. And when I was doing the meditations and their deep meditations for each of the um, alchemy flower oracle cards, I was told by the plant devas that they acknowledged that I had, that I had communicated with them. And that is why they were communicating with me to bring forward messages. It's mm, so beautiful. I think there's a lot of things that we're yet to discover about the about nature and the environment Um, yes i think we've we've explored animals a little bit more than plants although i have to hold up in my hand and say you know i'm not involved into any of that stuff so i wouldn't know where it's more advanced but Mm -hmm. but i find yeah plants fascinating even though as i said i haven't been such a good keeper and I've, i've kept away from them just to make sure i wouldn't you know be a bad influence (laughs) but I do care about nature a lot I really do well nature is our home we we can't survive without her Mm. 
it's like we don't we don't survive without the bees and we were all we're all interrelated interconnected yeah and that's one thing i actually discovered thanks to my youngest child my number four when when they were born um i read at the time i was reading as like a um, natural parenting magazine and they had this beautiful article about barefooting where mm. they explained that actually small children when they learn to to walk do much better without shoes than with shoes and that completely turned my world around because i've come from the big city paris where you had to make sure the kids had the right shoes to walk etc cetera, etc cetera. no contact whatsoever with the ground completely remote actually disconnected so I did a sort of experiment with my youngest and we went barefoot for nearly six months from her birth, their birth oh. in April until October. And then the weather got too cold. And one of the things that I've, I remember or I retained from that experience is that there is a connection that happens when you walk barefoot on the land that, well, even if you decide to walk barefoot more than the average person, where you can't just throw things on the ground because your feet are going to walk on it and so there's there's that respect that's created from the fact that you're walking on the ground and you're connecting to it there's not a shoe that disconnects you from the ground and I had this this idea that if more people went barefooting less people would litter because they would be faced with with the, the direct you know if there's litter and you spat you, you step on it with your shoes it's no, it's a minor inconvenience, but if you do that barefoot, then it's a completely different game. Um, now, I think that's a really good analogy for how we are on the earth. Yes. And I really felt that it would be beneficial for more people to do a bit of barefooting just from that perspective. Yeah. And see if they, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention, which is something is completely unrelated, but I remember when I traveled the world for my, my, my work, I didn't know it back then, but every time my foot was set on a new country, it's almost like I could feel the energy of the entire yep. land because I felt I was merging with the culture and I could, a lot of people said it's, they were surprised because I came, you know, as a lawyer for negotiation, etc. but it felt like I had that really deep energetic connection to the people right away from, from stepping on their land. And I didn't recognize back then that it was because of my feet. Yeah. But I think that's something that's that's really interesting and that I'd love to bring into the business world somehow so that they would become more more aware that they might be doing the same thing without understanding what's happening. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's the same for um, I mean, when I'm working in the land and when I'm connecting very similar to what you just said, um, everyone has that ability. Everyone so has the ability to connect to the land and, and to the environment. And I, it's just really, that we become disconnected from it. Exactly. And I mean, obviously, I was brought up in Paris, which is the most disconnected place yeah. you can think. But my parents went every weekend to um, a house in the countryside. Mm. So I had both sides, I suppose. And um, one of the things that um that I found fascinating as well is when I trained in Reiki as a Reiki master, all the emphasis was on the, the, you know, the energy centers from the head to the base. But for me, the feet were just as important. And I worked a lot with the feet and opened up people's feet chakras so that they would be better grounded, et cetera, et cetera. 
That's so. interesting because when I, I'm also a Reiki master and when I, when I was practicing, I would always start with people's feet. Yeah. It, it was also very often when I did treatment, it was the first place where my hands would yeah. take me yeah. the feet. Yeah. Oh, what an interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Ingrid. So I'm yeah. going to ask you now the, you know, the question that I ask all my guests at the end is what would you say to someone who's afraid to use their intuition in business? Oh, that is a big question. I mean, I, I think that, I, I think that tiny steps, I think that just allowing yourself to just believe a little bit at a time and allow um, magic spirit connection to come in and assist you with that. That's such a great tip. Thank you for that. I agree. Small steps, tiny yeah. steps. Um, and suspend it's... disbelief. Yes, the doubt that creeps in. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been such a delight to have you on the show, Ingrid. Thank you for accepting my invitation. Yeah, thank you for having me, Ange. And I also want it's to thank... It's been wonderful. Yes, and I also want to thank... Oh, there's something we haven't mentioned, Ingrid, and we need to do this before we go, is that you're launching a magazine. Yes. Um, very, very soon. So um, first, remind our listeners of what your website is, if they can find the magazine on there, or is it a different website? Okay. And tell us a little bit about the magazine. Who is it for? What's, what are they going to find in? And of course, I'm going to say I am one of the, the contributors to your magazine, so I'm very yes. excited about that. Um, yeah, give us a couple of minutes to, to sure. let us know. All right, so you can find me at alchemyfarm.ca. And you'll find a magazine there as well as the Alchemist community. And um, Alchemy Magazine, I, I decided to start the magazine because of my background in uh, graphic design and art direction. It's my way of giving back. It's um, a way to bring people together who are working in different healing modalities and to um, share their work with readers. Um, it's for anyone who is... Um, whether they're on the beginning of their journey, really questing, exploring different ways of um, connecting to not only nature, but their own intuition. How can they do that with their business in their personal lives and their surroundings? Um, exploring different kinds of modalities. The magazine includes um, intuitive, uh, people who work with their intuition using Oracle decks or tarot decks. There are um, musicians, um, there are writers, many different modalities. And I'm actually really excited. The first issue is um, coming out in September and it's amazing the people who are coming together for this. And so is there the, a specific date for the launch? Are you gonna have a party or a summit or something? September 1st, I'm not sure about the summit. Okay. Um, but for sure, there will be something. And um, the magazine subscription includes, oh, sorry, the Alchemist community membership includes the magazine subscription. 
Okay. So you can either subscribe to the magazine or to the community and have both. Okay. Fantastic. Thank you yeah. for letting us know. And yeah, thank, thank you, you everyone who's listened to this episode. We will be talking again next week. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Intuition Podcast. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe, give us a rating, and if you haven't done it yet, write a review so that more listeners can enjoy this podcast. Don't forget to join my free group on Facebook, Business Intuition for Female Entrepreneurs. And go on to my website to download my free workbook, on the four steps to trust your intuition in business. My website is theintuitionrevolution.co.uk.